Today is Thursday, March 29th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 256 featuring NBC Sports Boston's Kyle Draper is brought to you by Hims. My listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. Just go to 4hims.com/celtics, see website for full details. The show is also brought to you by eHarmony. Fans of the program can get a free month of eHarmony when they sign up for a 3 month subscription when you use my promo code Boston Celtics. All right. That's it. That's it. That's it. Give Brad Stevens the Coach of the Year award and do it right now. My apologies to Dwayne Casey, to Mike D'Antoni, to Terry Stotts, to any of you other so-called contenders for the award. No, 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 no. It's Brad Stevens. I'm Adam Kaufman. Welcome to Celtics Beat. We are just witnessing something right now that has been so much fun. Certainly, if you've watched, I don't need to tell you what Brad Stevens and these Celtics are doing. It's almost beyond the imagination, quite frankly. A five-game winning streak right now, 4-0 on the road through Portland, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Utah. A Blazers team that had won 13 of 14 entering that meeting. The Kings below, the Suns are horrifically bad. But then the Jazz had won 23 of 27 And every button, it seems, that Brad Stevens pushed worked. Everything he has touched has turned to gold. Now, many of us said that win in Portland was the win of the year. I said it. Absolutely. No Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Daniel Tice, obviously. But it's been trumped. It has been trumped. That victory over the Jazz last night without Irving, Smart, Al Horford, the other all-star, Marcus Morris, key reserve, averaging 22 points a game his last four. Tice down 11 in the third at the end of a week-long trip against a good team fighting for a playoff spot with Gershon Yabaselli starting, Shane Larkin, and Shemi Ojale playing at least 30 minutes. Having to close the thing on a 9-0 run for the three-point win capped by that Jalen Brown three-pointer basically at the buzzer. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Sean Grandy, play-by-play voice of the team, tweeted just after the game, just another night in this carnival of a Celtics season. Larkin led the Celtics in rebounds with nine. Monroe led the Celtics in steals and assists with four apiece. Tatum led the Seas in blocks with two. Baines, along with Tatum and Brown, led the Celtics in made shots with six. You know, I'm not going to be totally dismissive of some of those names, but on the whole, without two-thirds of his top nine rotation players. Remarkable. I thought, I tweeted this before the game. You can get me there at Adam M. Kaufman. I thought the Celtics were going to need 70 points from Tatum, Brown, and Rozier to win that game. They got 50. 50 between the three. That's not even close to 70. And they still wind up winning that game. Absolutely remarkable. Another reason for all that success on the road, by the way, three-point shooting. I don't know if you saw these numbers. Celtics shot 54% over the course of those four games on the road from three-point range. 49 out of 90. So clearly playing a big role, their success from distance in being able to steal a couple of those games and win a couple more against bad teams. So the Celtics right now tied for the second most wins in the NBA this year when trailing by double digits with 
with 14. They're up to 52 victories on the season to just 23 losses. The 52 wins, one shy of matching last year's total, still seven games to play. They're going to break that mark again. Brad Stevens' win total is going to continue to go up each of his years in Boston. Advantage Ainge from what? Off the top of my head here. 25 to 40 to 48 to 53 to wherever the Celtics wind up landing this year. Call it, I don't know, 55 or something like that. And then come Saturday at the Garden against the Raptors, the team that leads the Seas and the Eastern Conference by another three games. I wouldn't have thought, certainly the last time we spoke, that this was realistically going to be a conversation at this stretch with a couple weeks to go, but here we are. Celtics have a real chance at finishing as the number one seed for the second straight year. And unlike the Cavs last year, the Raptors aren't going to lie down. They want it. Here's the C's remaining schedule. Hosting Toronto, in Milwaukee, in Toronto, against Chicago at home, Hawks as well, and then at Washington, and then wrapping up with Brooklyn back at the Garden. Now the Bulls, the Hawks, the Nets, they all suck. The Raptors' schedule, the two with Boston, at Cleveland, versus Indiana, versus Orlando, at Detroit, at Miami. Only one bad team in there, and that's the Magic. Pistons, kinda. They're done, for all intents and purposes. They're not gonna make the playoffs, but not a bad team. Certainly a team that is capable of of surprising Toronto on a given night. Now, I don't know if the Raptors are going to rest anyone at all down the stretch, but I think they want that number one seed. I really don't think they're going to do that unless, you know, a guy gets dinged up and and they feel like they need to. But this is absolutely a conversation again. I'm I'm really interested in seeing which way it goes come Saturday. I don't want to spend too much time on it because this program is not one that's really dedicated to individual games. I know I spent some time, obviously, on that win over Utah, but it's more about the, the overall scope of the road trip. I think we know that. This is about bigger picture issues and there are a lot that we're going to cover coming up in just a a few minutes with Kyle Draper from NBC Sports Boston. want to also tell you, very important, I usually harp on this off the top. I'm going to tell you now. Subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. I can't say it enough because it's not a Sunday, as you noticed. It is Thursday that this show is coming out. Last week, it was Friday. The week before, I think it was a Thursday. Point is, we're going to be bouncing around over the course of the rest of the regular season and as long as the Celtics go in the playoffs. Come the summer, we'll get back into your normal Sunday routine that you've been used to for years here on Celtics Beat. But right now, we want to hit on as many pertinent themes as possible as at the most appropriate time as possible. And so right now, right off that road trip, I wanted to chat with you. With a couple more days before a game to really digest and think about things, the emergence of some of the players on this roster, this is a good time. So subscribe on iTunes, get alerted on your phone or on your computer, whatever it may be. When a new show drops, you'll be able to listen right away, improve your commutes, and I tweet them at an obnoxious amount anyway. So you can get me there at Adam M. Kaufman. But subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever else. We're going to be bouncing around. Leave ratings, five stars if you're feeling generous and you really like the show. We appreciate that. And comments, even a one-line comment, what you think of the program, really helps us, helps us provide the sponsors with all sorts of information, demographics, feedback, and whatnot about the program. And that's how we lead to longer shows, more shows, more sponsors, whatever it may be. You only care about that to a certain extent, I understand. But if you like the show, the biggest thing you can do, the best thing you can do. Comments, ratings, subscribe. Okay? So again, no Kyrie Irving. Celtics are 13-4 and four without him. It's amazing. But, 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 there are lingering questions, even after last Friday's minimally invasive procedure to remove a tension wire in that left knee, as it was said, and the findings of a fully healed patella fracture that is now structurally sound. He may need more surgery. Yes. 
And no, this isn't coming from a doctor who has not examined him, even though we got great information last week, I thought, from Dr. Seelan Parekh out of Duke University. This comes from Danny Ainge, Celtics president of basketball operations. Kyrie Irving may need more surgery on that knee. He said as much on his weekly interview on 98.5 The Sports Hub today when he said there are no long-term concerns about Irving's knee, but is the problem fixed? I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I'm saying when I say like it shouldn't affect his career, I'm just saying like his knee is very structurally sound. It's not like a, a long term thing. There could still be some challenges that you know we tried to do a minimal amount of surgery at this moment, and it might it might require some more. But we don't know any of that. I, I'm just guessing. So again, Ainge said he doesn't have any long-term concerns about the knee, but the fact that he may need another procedure, I'm going to get into this more later with Kyle Draper, that should be alarming to you. I don't think that's a remark you make offhandedly after a release that says, hey, everything is structurally sound, unless you know that we may not be out of the woods just yet. And I spent a lot of time with the doctor about this, and I've spent time taking a lot of flack, quite frankly, on Twitter about this, suggesting that this is not a closed book on Kyrie Irving just yet, but people want to bark at me, oh, well, the the procedure just now is a minimal procedure, but the major injury that was three years ago, and look, there's no problem. Clearly, he's come back. He looks like an MVP candidate. He's better than ever. If he develops arthritis or any number of other possibilities, despite being structurally sound right now, I'm not going to get into the medical stuff because I'm not a doctor. It's something that is worthy of your attention in the long term. Just because Danny Ainge says he doesn't have any long-term concerns about the knee doesn't mean that Irving is not going to miss time. Doesn't mean that Irving is going to come back and be exactly what he was pre-injury. 90% of Kyrie Irving is still an elite NBA player. But will he be 100 We don't know. Ainge said as much right there. We don't know. But as of now, Danny, what's the timetable for a return? You know, I honestly don't know when with Kyrie. We're just sort of waiting for the surgery to heal, and he hasn't really done anything yet. I don't really have an answer for you. I mean, that's why when the wire was taken out, it's minimally invasive uh, surgery, and but... You know, he hasn't played basketball for, I don't know, five weeks now, four or five weeks. And by the time his his knees healed and leg has a tendency to atrophy in that situation. So we just want to be careful that we're not jumping the gun or or putting extra pressure on Kyrie to return when our team needs him. We just want him. We just want to be sure he's healthy. The team had said three to six weeks before returning to basketball activities. That was a week ago. Playoffs two weeks away as of about this moment. So just another thing to think a little bit about. All right, enough from me. Let's welcome in Kyle Draper, host of Celtics Pre and Post Game Live on NBC Sports Boston. He was up nice and late watching that win over the Jazz in Utah. Kyle, I'll confess, I missed the post game show. Has Brad Stevens been named the NBA's Coach of the Year yet? Well, in my eyes, he's the coach of the year, but there's some a few people, Chris Mannix, who's still <laughs> holding out on this guy. And I know Wayne Casey and the Raptors have had a great season, but they've been relatively healthy all season long. The adversity that Brad and the Celtics have had to deal with and to still be a, a firm second place in the Eastern Conference, you know, a, a top five team, top four team, top three team in the NBA. I mean, I, I just think Brad's done a hell of a job, maybe his best coaching job uh, since he's been here. Yeah, look, I thought he was in the conversation last year, and I could have, quite frankly, made a very green teamer type of argument that he could have won the award even the year before that. So you sure as hell don't need to convince me that he is the guy this year, or at least right there. I mean, top two 
You mentioned Dwayne Casey. You could make a, there are some other guys too out in the Western Conference, whether it's Mike D'Antoni or Terry Stotts. But I'm with you. I mean, I'm a big Brad guy, and what he has done this year has been remarkable. But all of these injuries, all the missing bodies, how do the C's just keep getting it done without their all stars, without key reserves, and having to lean on rookies and other young guys, and especially in the case of that game against Utah? You know, as much credit as we give to Brad, you got to give the players a lot of credit, Adam. When you watch them play, I know the names are different out there, but the style of play is the same. Uh, they've bought into Brad's system. They execute uh, the game plan, the way they draw it up. And so, you know, usually when you have so many new guys, it looks disjointed out there. Maybe some guys, you know, start freelancing out there. No, I mean, they've stuck to their system throughout this season. And so, like I said, the names may be different. There may not be any Irving or Horford or Smart out there, but the way they play, the style, the system is the same. Well, you know, man, I never, I don't know about you, I never in a million years thought that a guy like Shane Larkin would have, never mind what he's done in terms of the role that he has played, I didn't think he'd have the opportunity to do what he has done for this team just because of obviously where he was on the depth chart at the time of his signing. But guys keep going down one body after another, particularly at the guard position. He's relied upon for big minutes late in games, and I'm not going to say that he has single-handedly won the Celtics games this year, but you could really attribute up to, I don't know, four or five over the course of the season that Shane Larkin had a very direct hand in. Yeah, and the thing is, his role is different now than it was earlier in the season. You know, earlier in the season, he was that that, that bullpen guy, that guy that could, Brad could, you know, throw out there in certain situations to change uh, the tempo of the game, the pace of the game, to wreak havoc defensively. Now he's being counted on for 25, 30 minutes hmm. a game with all these injuries, and he's still delivering. And you're right, when they signed Shane Larkin, I'm like, I thought to myself, why do they need another guard? You got Kyrie, you got Smart, you got Rozier. Where's his minutes going to come from? And at this point, they need him right now. And like I said earlier, he was sort of a specialist in my eyes, a guy that could come in, disrupt the opposing team's guard. But but now they need him to actually make plays. And I thought it was crazy. When you think about all the talent on that roster uh, last night, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, guys that can score the ball, Brad puts it in Shane Larkin's hands on that final play to make something happen. And he made the right read. You know, one thing I love about Shane, too, is that he answers his critics on Twitter. You don't have a lot of guys on this team that'll do that. Anytime somebody tweets at Shane, if he sees it anyway, he's going to come right back at you. You could, The number of people that he's called out over the course of the season as people have doubted him time and time again, it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, he, he notices, uh, yeah. you know, when, when people uh, tweet at him. It, it's funny because there was an instance earlier this season where somebody tweeted about him didn't even tweet at him. Yeah, and he saw it. And somehow it got back to Shane, and he took the liberty to respond. That was pretty great. We'll get right back to Kyle, but I want to tell you, today's episode of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Hims. Hims is a brand-new wellness brand for men. Guys, how many of you are scared of hair loss? I'd guess a lot of you are, considering 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, which is a frightening thought. I mean, how many friends do you have whose hairline is starting to trend in the wrong direction? Are you that person? Because by the time you or a friend notice that hair loss is becoming a problem, it's too late. Stop procrastinating and stop turning to weird hair loss solutions. Stop rubbing coconut milk on your head. Stop making egg wash paste. Sign up with Hims today. Hims is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. 
The best part about Hims is that they connect you with real doctors to treat your hair loss with actual medical-grade solutions. We're not talking about concoctions that you make at home. We're not talking about the weird pills you buy from some guy at the mall. We're talking about prescription solutions backed by science. Just go to 4 right now and sign up. It's easy. Just answer a few quick questions and a doctor will be assigned to you. Products are shipped directly to your door. You don't have to wait in line for hours. You don't have to scan the area for the best doctor. Let Hims do that for you. My listeners get a special trial month of Hims for just $5 today while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to your local pharmacy. Use my promo code. Go to 4 slash Celtics. 4 slash Celtics. All right, let's get back to Kyle. So a couple of the guys that you mentioned, Marcus Smart, between his discouraging year, I I think for the most part, whether it's the shooting, whether it was the incident in L.A., obviously this hand injury, which you you don't fault him for, if nothing else, you credit him for the hustle, but just bad luck between his arguably setbacks this year to Terry Rozier's emergence. How challenging has this upcoming offseason become for Danny Ainge, you think? No, even even more so, I I would imagine, you know, you know, when the year began, you thought if the number was right, there's no doubt they bring Marcus Smart back. And I still think they do. But now you got Terry Rozier, who's uh, ascending to another level. And so what are you going to do with him? Uh, is he a bigger trade ship now? Are more teams interested in him now? And so the thing that Danny Ainge loves, Adam, and you know this, he loves options. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he loves being able to, to, to do different things. And so with Marcus Smart and with Terry Rozier, he's not backed into a corner with either guy. It'll be interesting to see with Marcus. I, I still remain. Uh, the number has to be right. And who knows? Maybe this injury drives his price down a little bit. You know, his play after the All-Star game with the team winning, you know, I thought, you know, raised his uh, value a little bit. But now the Celtics are still winning without him. Uh, it'll be an interesting offseason for Danny Ainge. Uh, I think ultimately what they'll do is say, Marcus, go out there, see what you can get. And uh, we'll decide whether or not to match or not. I don't think the Celtics will be proactive in trying to sign them. Yeah, it is really interesting for a variety of reasons. I mean, I thought at the time of the Gordon Hayward injury, it was going to drive Marcus's value up because of the type of year that I expected him to have. And I, I certainly, I was vocal about it. I thought he would have a better year as a shooter than he has ultimately had. And he's not going to play again the rest of the regular season. But then that value, like you said, drops right down with the cumulative campaign. So you read my mind talking about Terry Rozier as potentially being a trade chip. What do you think his value is right now. What would the Pelicans have to throw in with Anthony Davis to get your beloved T. Rose? <laughs> the Pelicans. Not only uh, Anthony Davis, but it also maybe a uh, Drew Holiday and a first, right? Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. Uh, would, <laughs> no, you know, it does raise uh, his value, his trade value. You look back at the Kevin Garnett trade that, that Danny was able to pull off, you know, it was Al Jefferson and, and then some, you know, very good at the time, young players who were ascending. And so, uh, Terry Rozier, I think he'll be a starter in this league. You know, when you look at the Pelicans, I think they will have to address that point guard situation at some point. But what else can the Celtics give them? You know, it's it, it, you know, do you throw in a, a Jalen Brown? Do you throw in a Jason Tatum? And if you're the Pelicans, the way Anthony Davis is playing, is that still even enough? I would look at a team, let's say like in Orlando. Uh, maybe that that would have some interest in a starting point guard. You look at some of the teams out there, uh, maybe Orlando. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Maybe, you know, do you do a, a Phoenix, let's say, uh, have 
Devin Booker at the two, maybe a Rozier at the one. I don't know. I think his trade value is up, but I don't think he's the centerpiece that, you know, the number one piece the Celtics offer to a team to uh, get a star. And if you're Danny Ainge, why would you trade him right now? Unless you're going to get an Anthony Davis or somebody of that ilk. I mean, I don't think uh, Ainge is in the market now of making any deals for, you know, rotation players. It's all about going for that top dog. Well, and that's exactly what it is. I just like to mess around with the Pelicans because I I believe that Anthony Davis is off limits. I don't think he's going anywhere, let alone the Celtics, even though, yes, they could, I suppose, put together a package for him if they really wanted to give up the farm. But regarding Rozier, guy's under contract next year for like three million bucks, and he's shown what he can do in the chance that he gets an opportunity and somebody goes down with an injury. So I don't see him going anywhere this offseason. You can bet it's going to be a talking point. But as far as getting back to this year and this playoff run, what are your expectations regarding the injured Celts players? I mean, no Kyrie Irving or Marcus Smart before the second round, provided they get there without those two. Is is that what you're thinking right now? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And, and, you know, when you look at the way the standings are shaking out, and I know there's still a couple of weeks left, and who knows what's going to happen with Cleveland. But even with Kyrie back in that second round, I'm still giving the edge to the Cavs right now just because of LeBron James being able to go to even a higher level uh, in the playoffs. Uh, I think if they lose in the first round, it would be a disappointment in my eyes. And I know the injuries and everything like that, but they're proving, proving that they can win without some of their best players. You know, going into Utah, that's not an easy win. Portland playing red hot at the time, going in there and getting that easy win. And like I mentioned earlier, forget the names, the system, the style of play uh, is what makes the Celtics team so good. And so, you know, if you go into the first round, let's say against the Milwaukee uh, or something like that, I mean, uh, it's going to be a tough series. But if you don't win that series, I don't think you could say, oh, shucks, we were hurt. You know, that's a built-in excuse. I think those inside that organization would be disappointed if they got bounced out in the first round. Let's get back to potential matchups in a second, but I assume just staying with the theme of injuries, you're closing the door on Gordon Hayward at this point, right? Oh, yes, yes. I mean, you heard Brad, uh, you know, say, uh, or Danny, I think, I forget which one who said he's still doing the Alter G. Yeah, Brad, yesterday. Yeah, he still hasn't run, uh, you know, and so I've closed the door on him. You know, a couple of weeks ago when Brad said, guys, he's not coming back, and he hadn't even started running not even do a one-on-zero drills yet. I mean, and so here we are, two weeks left in the regular season and then in the playoffs. So I, I, I think he's still two months away. And then at that point, what are you talking about? You know, Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, and so Well, and you wouldn't make... even bring him back into that environment if he could go. Exactly. It was the point. If you've made it that far, why, why inject you know, him in there, first of all, with that kind of pressure? Then if they lose, are people going to say, oh, see, you shouldn't have brought back? Gordon Hayward and so it's not worth it I don't think uh you know give him a full off season uh to get 100 percent healthy and, and then come back reloaded you know think about it you're, you're adding a, a, another top tier free agent you know this off season by you know bringing back Gordon Hayward you know a guy that only played five minutes for you and so I don't think he's coming back all right so give me a best case and worst case scenario for first round opponents because at the moment it could really be a handful of teams yeah, that's that's the thing. I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I don't like any of the matchups uh, in the first round. You know, we talk about Milwaukee, and I know the scuffling. You know, at, down the stretch here, uh, and I know they've underachieved. But when you look at the talent on that roster, you know, Giannis, can he carry a team? Can he, you know, be that guy that just goes off, averages a triple double in the series? I'm afraid of him. Uh, my 
Miami, we talk about them. They play hard every night. They always play the Celtics tough. Uh, you know, they're interchangeable in so many positions, too. And so that would be a tough matchup. Washington, you get John Wall back. And so best case, I guess, would say I would say Milwaukee just because I think, you know, they've underachieved this season. Uh, they haven't shown any kind of ability to turn it around. Worst case, and I'm not including Washington. I, I don't think Washington – is going to fall down to the seventh seed. Worst case, I would say Miami, just because I think Eric Spolster is a great coach. I think they have so many interchangeable players, you know, so many guys that can do so many different things, handle the ball. Uh, You know, depending on Whiteside, too, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be in the playoffs, too? But I I think that Miami matchup is probably the the toughest, realistic first-round matchup. You think the Seas are going to catch the Raptors for the top seed? That's a great question. I mean, they're only three back right now, right? You got Three two back, seven to play, them. two head-to-head, yeah. Yeah, two head-to-head. I, I think, you know what, this time next week we'll find out because the Celtics have a tough road back-to-back. Uh, I think it's Milwaukee and Toronto. Depending on the outcome of those games, we'll know. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, you know, Saturday, you know, I know the Celtics are playing well, but, uh, you know, Toronto, first of all, they beat the Celtics earlier in Toronto. They feel like they should have won – in Boston when DeRozan missed, you know, an easily makeable game winner. And so I just think Toronto's the better team, especially with the Celtics so banged up. So I'm not betting on the Celtics catching them. Uh, It's interesting, though, right? You know, when Kyrie went down, we thought, oh, man, at least they're firmly locked into that number two seed. Right. Hopefully they don't drop the three, you know. But they're playing lights out. And so now we're actually talking about, you know, do they have a realistic shot at number one? I don't think it'll happen, though. I I think Toronto will pull it up. Well, one thing we can agree on, C's aren't going to kill themselves trying to get it. They just want to be healthy at this point. They're not going to rush anybody back under any circumstances, quite frankly. But depending on how these seeds all play out in the Eastern Conference, another team we didn't really talk too much about right there when you were outlining them, Sixers. I mean, Celtics could see the Sixers, obviously, in the opening round of the playoffs. You're a big Philly guy. You're not too shy about that. One's good for the heart for you. The other's good for business, for work. Who do you root for? No, and I tell people this all the time. You're right about that. Good for business when the Celtics win. I mean, you know, when they were bad, nobody watched pre and post game. Now that they're good, you know, we're getting some great numbers. Hey, I but watch, I, pal. Uh, I, except last night, right? Except last night. Well, yeah, except post game <laughs> last night. Look, man, I get up at 3 in the morning. <laughs> No, but, you know, I tell everybody what I root for is a double overtime game no matter who the teams are playing. Like, I want every game to be the best game we've ever seen. I hate blowouts. I hate sweeps. And I'll be honest, though, I do want the Celtics to win. I want them to go far because the farther they go, the more I'm in my own basketball world, mm-hmm. you know, the more I can continue to talk hoops and uh, instead of, you know, some of the other stuff. I don't have to appear on Boston Sports Tonight. Great show. Yeah, but, but then you got to go on talking Red Sox. Exactly. You don't exactly. want to do that. I'll, I'll wait till June to start talking about the Red Sox and, and, and Patriots, uh, you know, camp and stuff like that. You know, I need this basketball run to go as long as possible. So you'd root for the Celtics over the Sixers just because it's it's better for your world. It really is, exactly, <laughs> and it's better for my Twitter mentions, too, man. Well, I don't want people lighting me up on Twitter, and so, uh, you know, and I'll be honest, my son is a huge Celtics fan, he's a huge Boston sports fan, and so when the Eagles beat the Patriots, 
And trust me, I was rooting for the Eagles. <laughs> he was sad, dude. He went to his room and started to cry because he was pulling for Tom Brady. I promise you, when I start tweeting out this show, I'm going to be lighting up your mentions, and you're going to wish you hadn't said that. Like, Don't do <laughs> hey, that anymore. I, I, I want at least 100 new followers, bro. That's your mission right yeah, me there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Um, how do you think that series would pan out, though, regardless of what you want? You know, you've you've got the Celtics very banged up right now. Like you said, you don't particularly like any first-round matchup, but specifically the Sixers, with all that talent on the other side, depending on the health, naturally, of, of important players like Joel Embiid, how do you think a best-of-seven would play out between these teams? I think it'd be a dogfight, man. I, you know, I'm going to go six games. I, I think just the Sixers' newness at being in the playoffs, you know, and being on this stage... Uh, I, I think, you know, you got to give the Celtics the edge in that. But you're talking without Kyrie Irving. You're talking without Marcus Smart, you know, maybe a banged-up Marcus Morris also. And so I think it would be a dogfight. I mean, the Sixers, you know, one of the hottest teams in the league right now, and I love the way they're playing. You know, and it's not just Embiid and Simmons. I mean, you got Sarge playing out of his mind right now. you got Covington being back to what he was earlier in the season, knocking down threes. And so I think they're a tough matchup because – they have the shooting to go along with a guy like Simmons and a guy like Embiid. And, and, you know, when you talk about their shooting, it's not young shooting. It's guys that, you know, have played in, in, in the playoffs before, whether it's Ilya Sover, Bellinelli, uh, you know, and so uh, J.J. Redick. So they have some, some perimeter talent that, that, can, that can shoot the ball. But I just think the newness of it, the, the, them being, you know, in their first playoff series, Brett Brown, being in his first playoff series as a head coach. I give the edge to the Celtics, but trust me, it's not going to be a sweep, man. These Sixers, uh, this is a different Philly team than we saw even in January, the way they're playing. Everybody hop right on Amir Johnson's back. He'll carry you to the conference finals. <laughs> Don't even have to worry about all the rest. Hey, he's a, he's a key veteran <laughs> for this squad, man. I love Amir. I miss him in, out here. One more quick break from Kyle to tell you. Today's episode is also brought to you by eHarmony. To those of you that like to dabble in online dating, let me ask you something. You sick of lazy text messages and conversations that never really get anywhere? Well, ditch those apps and other sites. Get ready to fall in love just by signing up for eHarmony today. eHarmony is the number one most trusted dating site or app based on a 2018 survey of 1,600 singles. They're built to help you find a lasting, meaningful relationship. eHarmony brings compatible people together by using decades of science, data, and psychological research. Signing up for eHarmony couldn't be easier. Just quickly create an account, answer some personal questions like how you react to certain situations, what you care about, how important certain goals are to you, and get ready to meet the love of your life. Right now, my listeners can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Just enter my promo code Boston Celtics at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that is built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started. Enter my promo code Boston Celtics at checkout. All right, let's get some more here from Kyle. Tough news for Isaiah Thomas yesterday. He's going to have a procedure on his hip and then an extensive recovery. Uh, who knows how much of next year, if any, he could miss at this stage. For anyone that loved watching IT in Boston, all the heroics, it sucks. I mean, it's been an awful year for him from... 
clearly the tragic death of his sister on the eve of the playoffs last year, the trade from the place he never wanted to leave to go somewhere he definitely didn't want to go, clashed with LeBron James in Cleveland, got traded to the Lakers, had to come off the bench there, and now this on the cusp of free agency when there was all that talk about the Brinks truck. Is that dream over? Yeah, I think so. You know, maybe he'll sign a one-year deal, you know, uh, with an option for a second year or something like that. But I, I don't think Isaiah will be the same player that he was. And can you think of a player in terms of, you know, who's had such a such a roller coaster ride to his NBA career from being the last pick uh, to, to averaging 20 in Sacramento, and, but that's still not being good enough, to going to an awful situation in Phoenix, you know, finding heaven in Boston, you know, fourth quarter time, you know, and, and IT time and all this. And now, you know, plan for the Lakers and the hip comes up again I mean you sort of feel sorry for the guy because he's been underpaid uh these last few years and you kind of want guys to get the contract they deserve and I don't think it's going to come for Isaiah Thomas but I tell people that two-year run that he had you know in Boston one of the best runs in Celtics history and you can't take that away from him no, it was exhilarating, no question about it. But as as he deals with this now a year later, effectively, Celtics turned over their medical staff in the off season. He griped about his care in Boston since leaving. Did the C's wreck him, or did he do this to himself? I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. I don't. I don't know the inner workings of it. I, I don't know. You know what they told him was it his decision to prolong surgery? You know, could he have had surgery back in June and, and been better now? You know, we, we just don't know. But you know, I maintained last year. You know, this whole rest thing, I I, I wasn't too too high on that. Why, why rest and 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 hope when you can have the surgery and definitely be better. And so I just think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty for IT. He probably would have, wishes he would have had the surgery, you know, from the get-go, wouldn't have played, uh, you know, in April and May when he was banged up. And so, uh, it, you know, was it Isaiah being stubborn and wanting to go out there? Was it the doctors telling him, no, nah, you'll be fine, just rest? I don't know, but it's, it's clearly he wishes that, you know, he could have a, a mulligan on this one and go back and, and do it over. To that point, and look, it's completely apples and oranges for a whole range of reasons, but Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, nobody would have seen, by the way, that both of these guys would be having surgery, having to go under the knife inside a year of, of that blockbuster trade last summer. But Irving undergoes a, a minimally invasive procedure to remove tension wire from that knee and in theory is going to come back this year we'll see again like we talked about depends how far they go but he still hasn't done anything and he's he's apparently weeks out from doing that and I heard Danny Ainge I I played sound earlier on here but I I heard him on the radio this morning say that while there are no long-term concerns about that knee he hasn't ruled out that everything is completely fixed, that Kyrie Irving won't need more surgery on that knee going forward. If that is even in his mind, why are we, and I'm, I'm using this term loosely, but why are we dinking around with minimally invasive procedures? Why not just fully correct the problem to the extent that we know it needs to be fixed? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's a great you know question, and I, I don't know you know, the whole medicals of it. But, you know, I've always been a firm believer. If you can get something taken care of sooner rather than later, you know, you go and do that. Now, I say that having, you know, suffered a torn labrum, and I still haven't had a surgery yet, <laughs> but I'm not a finely tuned athlete that sure. makes money off of, 
you know, uh, off of my playing career. And so uh, you're right about that. If if if, if Kyrie can, can go on and, and have a bigger procedure now uh, and, and come back stronger, healthier, and, and with, you know, I don't, you can't guarantee, but some sort of guarantee that, you know, this won't keep popping up. Why not do it now? And I, 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 that's a great question because you have to wonder, do they really think that they can win a championship now? Uh, and, and so maybe that's why you just do the small procedure to get them back for this deep run uh, at the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, I maintain that with Kyrie, it's not about this year because really what you're setting yourself up with is next year when you have Gordon Hayward back. Mm-hmm. Next year is going to be the year. You'll, I think we'll have to go into the season as favorites uh, in the Eastern Conference. And so you don't want to do anything that could jeopardize the future uh, just for this season. That's exactly it. I mean, I don't want to get to a point where, and hopefully this doesn't happen. I'm far from the only one who feels this way. But if we get to a point where he comes back, he you know looks okay, but maybe feels uncomfortable in the playoffs, and it turns out he has to have another more significant surgery in the offseason. He's out to start the beginning of next year. I mean, that would just be devastating. Right, exactly. You you get Gordon Hayward coming back, and now your other star is out. Uh, You you don't want to go into next season that way. All right, before I let you go here, let's have a little fun. Take me to the set. You and Scal, you have a good relationship, clearly, but it's it's a little, as the viewer, okay, as a viewer, it's a little love-hate. It's a little love-hate. I want you to give me some white mamba dirt, stuff the fans would love to hear. <laughs> white mamba dirt. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I've always maintained, and maybe Scout will agree with this, he's more popular now than he was as a player. And so can you imagine, <laughs> first of all, a former athlete, you know, who's already has, you know, a little bit of ego, and now it's even bigger. Now he's the white mamba. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes I have to knock him back down a peg and realize, let him know, you know, he's a star of the show, but his best years in broadcasting have come with me alongside of him. And so I like <laughs> to think, you know, there wouldn't be a white mamba or he wouldn't have uh, this kind of, uh, you know, uh, appeal to people without me being right next to him. Tell me it doesn't kill you. I know it does. I can see it on your face as someone who has been in that position, not with Scal, but been in that position and, and been on a set and dealt with this. Tell me it doesn't kill you when you ask him a question that, that you feel like, all right, maybe you know the answer to, you know he knows the answer to, but maybe a viewer doesn't know the answer to. So you ask him a question and he just openly thinks it's ridiculous and dismisses it. Right, yeah, a little bit. You see, but what he doesn't understand is sometimes I have to play the role of the guy that doesn't know. And yeah. so I'm just trying to tee him up. That's really my job. Tee him up. He doesn't want to be make, teed up. Exactly. I'm, you know, I'm trying to tee him up, make him look good, but then he'll throw it back at me, and I think that's when we really get into it. That's when we, <laughs> you know, there was an instance uh, the other day. He was out on the road, and I tried to ask him a question. And he's like, why are you asking me that question? I'm not, I'm not going to answer that. And I say, hold on now. I'm running this show. I'm the driver here. You answer my questions, you know. And so we get into it, and, and I think that's fun stuff. Uh, you know, there, there is that love-hate, you know. It, it's funny because we see the game differently, and w- in which we should sometimes. You know, he's a former player. I'm a guy that's just watched, you know, thousands of games over my career. And so, you know, he sees it one way, I see it another way, and sometimes uh, we disagree, and I think that makes for good TV. All right, Kyle Draper does a great job on TV, hosts Celtics pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports Boston. Drapes, thanks a lot. I'm sure we'll talk as we get a little bit closer uh, onto the postseason, right around the corner, and then hopefully for all of our sakes, most especially yours, a deep playoff run. All right, my man. Thanks for having me on.
Thanks again to Kyle Draper. Lots of great stuff from him. Let's take your Twitter questions. As always, you can get me at Adam M. Kaufman from 603 Flips. Are Baines and Monroe worthy of another signing after this year to keep four big men on the team next season? Look, ultimately, it comes down to money, and it always comes down to money, especially when you're talking about guys who are role players. And Baines plays a larger, more significant role on this team to Greg Monroe, at least as of right now. Who knows what will come in the next several weeks, depending on how long this team is around. But if you can fit these guys in at favorable dollars and you're not extending yourselves and sure I mean strategically you'd like to continue to have more bigs on the roster to be able to match up in the same versatile way that the team can right now with most any team in the NBA we've seen it they compete with the top teams at the highest levels and win those games a lot of the time but one of the questions obviously is going to be how many available spots are there on this roster next year and I'm not going to sit here and, and pull up the roster for next season to really dive into free agency and all of that but most of this team is returning and so we got to see what the Celtics want to if they are going to pay Marcus Smart if there are any sorts of moves if there are any trades like Irving last year you know what I mean that turn the world upside down and just totally shake everything up there's not going to be a significant major free agent signing they don't have the money to do that but guys like Baines or Monroe and I don't think Monroe is likely I should add that but bring back an Aaron Baines next year I think it's entirely possible I definitely think he's happy here and I think he likes his role but I don't know what type of money he's going to ultimately try and ask for so it's it's one of the things to watch going forward among them from sig d are the celtics better off shutting down kyrie irving for the year i know he wants to play but we aren't winning a title this year with him so why risk the health for a run to the conference finals well i more or less just kind of covered that with kyle draper and i think that we all sort of agree the three of us now it's that it's not worth it if it looks like there's something significant going on if kyrie irving comes back and feels okay and looks okay and isn't at risk of doing anything after, again, this minimally invasive procedure, then sure, you don't need to shut him down. You attempt to win as many games as you possibly can. That's always the goal, but whether you have Irving or whether you don't. And if it looks like things are just kind of going slow and he's still having trouble ramping up and getting on a basketball court and, and running and being able to exert himself in the way that he knows he needs to in the postseason, then they're not going to rush him back. I can promise you that. They're not going to bring him back just to try and get out of a, a specific round, be it the first or the second. They're not chasing a championship right now. As Kyle said, and I absolutely agree, I've said it before, it's about next year at this point. This year, whatever you can do, it's icing on the cake. Next year, that's when you get Gordon Hayward back. That's when Jason Tatum is in his second year. That's when other guys are continuing to develop and mature, and Irving is going to be a significant, a substantial part of that. And so right now, you're not going to do anything to jeopardize next year's health. And from Celtics Canada, how many teams truly need a starting point guard? Rozier would be the perfect sixth man for Boston in two years. He'll be getting starters, minutes, and money. Seas will only have to pay one year of luxury tax to keep him till Horford's contract is up and Rozier will have already won a title. Well, <laughs> first off, I hope they've already won a title at that point. Absolutely. We'll see uh, how things go. Don't forget about those Warriors out west when they're healthy. Still a pretty damn good team. But Rozier, you know, he's, he's on the verge. I don't think he's there yet, especially with what his contract is, but he is on the verge anyway of maybe kind of forcing Danny Ainge's hand a little bit. I don't think he'd ask for a trade or anything like that. I think he likes it here, wants to continue to learn under a guy like Kyrie Irving, knows he's young, and, you know, he'll make his $3 million next year, which is peanuts compared to what he's one day going to make in this league, the way money gets handed out and, and the type of player that he could be. Jeff Goodman sent me a tweet uh, this morning, said, it's not a matter of if, but when and where before Terry Rozier becomes a starter. 
it's not going to be here so long as Kyrie Irving's knee holds up and they re-sign him and give him the kind of contract that he is looking for in another year and change. So it's one of the things that are going to make this offseason really fascinating. It's why I asked Kyle about it. You know, I, I wonder, is Terry Rozier a trade ship that will mature to the degree that you can get something significant in return? Not one for one, but that he can headline a package from the Boston side. I don't know. I don't think we're there yet, but what he's done is a starter averaging almost 20 points per game in the absence of Kyrie Irving, albeit in a small sample size. It's been a ton of fun to watch. Tell you this, now that he's had the taste of it, I don't think he wants to continue being a, a six-man for this team. He probably will. He won't have a say in the matter for a period of time, but I don't think that's how he envisions his future for the next uh, couple of years if if he has anything to say about it. So thank you for your questions. Continue to get them in at Adam M. Kaufman. I'll respond to you as often as I can, be it on Twitter or here on this show. Again, Celtics Beat comes at you once a week at least. That's the pattern right now anyway and on random days. So again, subscribe on iTunes. Can't say it enough. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman because I will always tweet the shows out. But subscribing on iTunes, that's the best way to go. You'll get those notifications, and as soon as a new show drops, like this one here today on a random day that is not a Sunday, you can listen to it. So again, episode 256 is brought to you by Hymns. My listeners get a special trial month of Hymns for just $5 today while supplies last. Just go to 4 slash Celtics. See website for full details. Show's also brought to you by eHarmony. Fans of the program can get a free month of eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription when you use my promo code Boston Celtics. Thanks again to Kyle Draper. Thanks to Nick, to Larry, to Evan, to everybody else at CLNS Media that go into making these shows as great as they are. We welcome your feedback on Twitter, on iTunes, the ratings, the comments, all of it. Don't be shy. Tell us how you feel. Makes a big difference as for the long-term success of the show and short-term for that matter as well. Again, subscribe. Thanks again. Hopefully next time we talk, we'll be talking about a Celtics team that is even closer to the top seed in the Eastern Conference and most importantly, on their way to getting healthier. I'm Adam Kaufman. Talk to you again soon. Gino, celebrate that road trip.